the name of one God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Please be seated. <clears throat> ah, such an uplifting gospel message. <clears throat> so they say that there are three types of rectors. Caretakers, risk takers, and undertakers. Paul, while not usually thought of as a rector, was definitely a risk taker. You might say he risked his life and ultimately lost his life for the sake of the gospel. To be honest, I actually think there are really only two types of rectors, risk takers and undertakers, because I believe that a parish is either moving forward taking risks along the way, or the parish is stagnating and moving towards death. But on a more cheerful note, today we celebrate our patronal feast day, the conversion of St. Paul the Apostle. It's an opportunity to reflect on Paul and what he means for us as individuals and as a congregation. What does it mean to be St. Paul's Episcopal Church, not St. James or St. Matthew's or St. Swithin's in the swamp. You probably know the basics about Paul, born a Jew. He was a faithful student of the Torah and initially devoted himself to trying to stamp out that heresy promoted by the followers of that dead Jew, Jesus. You may recall that according to the Acts of the Apostles, he was a bystander and likely an enthusiastic witness at the stoning of Stephen, the first Christian martyr. Later, as we heard this morning from another section of Acts, Paul says, I not only locked up many of the saints in prison, but I also cast my vote against them when they were being condemned to death. Really nice guy. But we all know of Paul's dramatic conversion experience on the Damascus Road where he met the risen Lord. And he went from trying to destroy Christianity to becoming its most ardent proponent, taking the faith and starting churches throughout much of the known world. Well, first, let's consider the possibility that if it were not for Paul, we might not be sitting here this morning. I suspect that if Paul had not been on the scene or if Paul had said no, that God would have chosen someone else to become the propagator of the faith. But it might have been very different. Consider that a huge portion of our New Testament was either written by Paul or written in his name. What would the church be like today if he had not written, for example, in the letter to the Galatians, there is no longer Jew or Greek, there is no longer slave or free, there is no longer male and female, for all of you are one in Christ Jesus. Or, what if he had not proclaimed in his famous hymn to love in 1 Corinthians, 
Love is patient. Love is kind. Love is not envious or boastful or arrogant or rude. It bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. And now faith, hope, and love abide these three, and the greatest of these is love. What would the church be like today if we actually lived into those admonitions? Paul was controversial in his time, for sure, and he remains somewhat controversial to this day. He was hated by the Jews, of course, for abandoning them in favor of what they considered to be the heresy of the followers of Jesus. And that hatred ultimately cost him his life. And he seemed to leave discord and dissent behind him wherever he had been. Last week, we heard him write to the people in Corinth saying, now I appeal to you, brothers and sisters, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you be in agreement and that there be no divisions among you, but that you be united in the same mind and the same purpose. For it has been reported to me by Chloe's people that there are quarrels among you, my brothers and sisters. And that would have been quite an understatement. Of course, can you imagine starting a brand new church filled with people brand new to the faith, brand new to each other, and then walk away and leave and go somewhere else to start a new church and try to keep tabs on things remotely centuries before any modern forms of communication were available. It's probably a miracle that the faith survived at all. And some still aren't enamored with Paul. For a long time, some of Paul's writings were used to keep women or to try to keep women as second-class citizens in the church. Now, scholars believe today that the most offending passages in Paul's letters were added by others long after his death, and that his other writings and the obvious position of prominence that women enjoyed in his churches belie the notion that Paul wanted to silence or subjugate women in the church. Paul's ministry and experiences should remind us that we are living in a world that is more and more like Paul's world. We can no longer assume that Christianity is the norm. Our civilization is increasingly anti-Christian. We are more and more in the minority, and we can no longer assume that people even know the story. Sadly, it's possible that many think that we are people of prejudice, intolerance, and hate from what they see and read in the media. More and more, we have to be even more inviting, welcoming, and connecting if we want our faith to survive beyond our generation. Our emphasis at St. Paul's on being more inviting, welcoming, and connecting is not about numbers. It's not about money. It's about sharing the good news of God and Jesus Christ 
in a world that increasingly tunes out that message. It's about the very survival of the faith. And consider Paul. He shows us that God chooses the most unlikely people to be his apostles and prophets, to preach and spread the gospel. Yep, you see, he chooses us. I am convinced that St. Paul's is well positioned to spread the gospel of love and inclusivity, a place where children and adults of all ages can thrive and grow in their faith, a place that is not judgmental, but rather reflects that inclusivity and love that Paul expounds in the passages I quoted. We've demonstrated our commitment to the gospel at St. Paul's in many ways, perhaps most notably and most recently by bringing St. David's Episcopal Church in Peter's Township from near death to health and vitality, a growing and dynamic parish led lovingly by our former associate rector, Chris Opat. And we demonstrate our commitment to the gospel every day through our ministries of outreach and pastoral care, and most recently through our new ministry of responding to the refugee crisis. Uh, this is my penultimate sermon at St. Paul's. I have three more Sundays with you, and it's astonishing for me to think that it's been almost 10 years since I preached my first sermon here. I'm eternally grateful to all of you who have stuck with me and St. Paul's through these years, and for all of you who have come and joined us since I arrived. Like Paul and his many churches, I'm about to leave you. But there are, of course, some very big differences. First, this place was here long before I arrived, and it will be here long after I leave. Second, unlike Paul, I won't be sending you letters. And finally, you are so blessed that your elected representatives, with God's help, have called the Reverend Noah Evans to be your next rector. Noah loves Jesus Christ. Noah loves the people of God. Noah is passionate about the church and is committed to its future. And maybe best of all, Noah is a risk taker. Amen.